0: Enjoy the message. How good are you at making choices? Would you say that you're pretty good at making choices? Do you know not just how to choose between what is good and bad, but do you most importantly know how to choose between what is good and what is best? Did you know that's a little bit harder? Knowing how to choose between what is good and what is best is a lot more difficult than choosing between what is bad and what is good. So again, I ask, how good are you at making choices? Are you good at making choices between what is temporary and what will last? Are you good at making choices between what is godly and what is worldly? You know, with Much respect and love, I'd like to make the next assertion. And that is that I believe that many of us are making a wrong choice when it comes to our relationship with God. It may not be true about some of you, but chances are that it is true for the majority of us. And you're probably wondering, well, pastor, what is that area that I may be making a wrong choice in? Really simple. In treasuring the presence of God, in valuing, in giving importance, in giving priority to the presence of God. Here's why notice how quiet it got? You can serve God, you can talk about God, you can give to God, you can live for God, you can be blessed by God. You can take a stand for God and not treasure the presence of God in your life. Now you're probably thinking, no, that's not true. Well, yes, it is. There's a lot of religious people who know about God, believe in God, take a stand for God, but they don't have the presence of God in their lives. And the danger, the danger, the danger of not truly treasuring, valuing, giving priority to the presence of God in our life is that we, is that then we become about what God can give us, about what God ought to do for us and not about knowing him and just simply being with him. Let me say that again. When we don't treasure when we don't value the presence of God, just His being, then our relationship with Him becomes about what I need Him to do for me, about what I need Him to give to me, and not about knowing Him and just enjoying Him. And much of our walk can turn into that. In Exodus chapter 32, we're not going to go there, we're actually going to read... Exodus 33 but I want to tell you a little bit about Exodus 32. In Exodus 32 Moses is called by God to go up to the mountain because God is going to give him instructions regarding the way his people should live. You got to keep in mind that God has freed the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt and he's brought them out of slavery and he's bringing them so that what, so that they could do what? So that they could worship. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. And in and, and chapter 32 of Genesis, uh, of Exodus, I'm sorry, Moses is called up to the mountain by God so that he can receive instructions. Now, something happens, and what happens is that Moses delays. And I say delays because God knows what he's doing, but according to the people down there, according to the Israelites, Moses was probably even dead by now. Because we haven't heard from our leader. He probably went to the dire Yankee game instead of coming to visit me at the hospital. So Moses delays and the Israelites begin to grow tired. And here's what they do. And some of you, you know, this story. They demand of Aaron that that he makes them an idol that they can worship. Here's why this is so key. And I I was almost tempted to just preach about that. But but we'll say that for another day. They demand that, that Aaron makes them an idol so that they can worship. Two things you got to know. Number one, God wired you to worship. So it's not an issue of am I worshiping or not, but it is rather an issue of what or who are you worshiping. And if your worship, if your devotion, if your commitment, if your affection, because that's what worship is, is not going to God, it's going to something else or someone else second thing god brought them out of slavery not so that they could be comfortable or they could do what they pleased but god brought them out of slavery so that they could what worship, worship. worship him so that they could enjoy freedom to enjoy his presence to know god so aaron ends up making a golden calf a big cow and they worship him. Long story short, God's anger rises against them for their idolatry. And God wants to wipe them out. While God, while Moses is with God up in the mountain, God tells Moses, you better go down there because your people are a mess. And I'm going to wipe them out for their idolatry. But what does Moses do? Moses intercedes and he pleads on their behalf. And if you want to know more about that story, you can read Genesis 32. But I wanted to give you a context of what the Israelites had done so that you can understand what happens in, verse, in chapter 33. Right there in your outlines, let's read Exodus 33 verses 1 and 3. Look at what he says. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Here it is. Go up to the land I swore, I promised to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, this is God speaking, I will give you this land to your descendants. And then God says, and I will send an angel. Now, This is a simple angel. This is not the angel of the Lord. This is just an angel. He says, I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Verse 3. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. Okay, let me stop right there because I really want you to understand what is going on. God made a promise long ago. And God takes the Israelites and he says, I am going to fulfill that promise. And in order to fulfill that promise, I have to take you out of slavery. So he brings them out of slavery of Egypt. And on their journey, before God even gets a chance to give them instructions, they rebel against him. And God becomes angry and he says, I am going to fulfill my promise. Here's what you got to know. After the sin of idolatry, God did not not keep his promise. God said, you could still have the promised land. You could still have the land that flows with milk and honey. Hey, okay? God is still fulfilling his promise. But look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Or the next part, he says, but I will not travel among you for you are stubborn and rebellious people. The idea of a a stubborn and rebellious people is a donkey that is fighting the farmer. Those of you that have ever been to a rancher or, or understand that picture, when a donkey becomes stubborn, he becomes stiff and his neck gets stiff and he fights the farmer because the farmer wants to move him and the donkey says, no, this is where I'm staying. And that is the description that God gave regarding us. And they're like, no, pastor, that's not me. That was the Israelites. All right, let me talk to your spouse and we'll see how true that is. He says, but I will not travel among you for you are stubborn and rebellious people. Look at this. If I did, I will surely destroy you along the way. After the sin of the golden calf, God did not deny them the promised land. After the sin of the golden calf, God did not deny them his protection because he said, I will send an angel. But they did have a decision to make. Because God told them that they could have the promised land, but that he would not go with them. In other words, you can have the promise, but not the presence. And if the people said, all right, we're cool with that. Give us the promise. That only proved how stubborn and rebellious they were. But if they came back and said, no, 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 we don't care about the promised land we care about your presence then that would show a genuine heart for God himself now listen I know you're really smart people and I know what some of you theologians are thinking but isn't God omnipresent isn't God everywhere so if God is everywhere how can he say that he's not going with them Yes, God is omnipresent and he's everywhere. And when God talks about his presence not going with them, he's talking about his manifested presence. God is everywhere, but his presence doesn't manifest everywhere. Can I illustrate that to you? In this room, there's all kinds of waves. Waves that will provide internet for you. Waves that will provide a television show for you. Waves that will provide a radio show for you. You can't see them. You can't hear them. They don't manifest unless you have the right device. If you have a phone that is enabled to to detect Wi-Fi, then the waves of internet manifest in your phone. They're evident. But if you don't, they don't. And a heart that treasures God is what enables the presence of God to manifest. And that's essentially what God was saying. It reminds me of a story I read. It says that a father sat with his son and he said, son, your birthday's coming up. He says, I got two questions for you. If I only bought a cake and we sang happy birthday to you and cut the cake, but that was all we did, how many of your friends do you think would come to your birthday party? He said, not many, Dad. He said, what if I rented an arena and rented carnival games and had all kinds of fun and all kinds of music and prizes and all sorts of things going on? How many of your friends do you think would come to your party? He said, Dad, the whole school would come. He says, and if they came for those things, would that prove that they love you or that they love those things? And I think God asked the same question. And he says, if I didn't give you what you think you want, but all I offered was me, would that be good enough for you? If the songs were not popping and the musicians were not hitting the right strings and the singers were not touching the right tones, would you still be able to delight in my presence or do you need all that other stuff? If my message was clearly given, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, uh, attractive and it wasn't entertaining, would it be good enough? See, that's what God is asking them to do. And here's the thing, here's what. I, here's why I love this passage. Because for Moses, there was no option. Moses did not see an option in this. And look at how he responds. Look at in Exodus verses 15 through 16. Look at what he says. He says, then Moses said to him, he said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. You know what Moses was saying? He was saying the desert with your presence is better than the promised land without your presence. I'd rather be broke, but have you be with me than have all kinds of money and not have your presence with me. I, 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 I'd rather have some kind of illness, but feel your presence than to be healthy and ignore your existence. He says, if your presence does not go with us do not send us up from here and then and then Moses almost i think he does it to convince himself gives two reasons why look look at what he says he says how will anyone know that you are what please with me and with your people unless you go with us listen to this it was not material possessions or personal success success that testified about God's approval for their life. It was God's presence. He said, if we get to the promised land, but you're not with us. That doesn't really mean that you're happy with us. You know, the other day in our life group, I said something and a couple of people were shocked. And um, I think Lorena told me not to say this out here, but I'm going to say it anyways because (laughs) I like a good fight once in a while. (laughs) Did you know that God is not the only one that can give you good things? Let me say that again. Did you know that God is not the only one that can give you good things? The devil offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world. Moses was saying, if you're not with us, how will people know that you're pleased with us? Second thing he says, what else, what else other than your presence will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Listen to me, listen. It is not a political party or a stanza on an issue or church attendance or a particular vocabulary or biblical knowledge that should communicate to others that we're Christians. It should be the evidence of the presence of God that should communicate that we are Christians. Others should be able to sense, man, that person, God must really love them because God shows up in their life. And we've made our political stand, we've made certain political issues, we've made certain vocabulary, we've made certain knowledge, sort of the thing that identifies us when it is the presence of God that should identify us. So, just like them, not Moses, but the Israelites, you also have a choice. Will you settle for the promise or the presence? Are you more concerned with what God ought to do and give you? Or will he be enough all by himself? Here's the thing. The promised land isn't the promised land without the presence of God. Do you know that? Whatever it is you think God needs to do for you is not good enough unless he's in it it was not the milk and honey that was going to bring them life. It was the presence of God that would bring them life. It was not the promised land that would set them free. It was the presence of God that would set them free. It was not the promised land that would satisfy them. It was the promised land that would satisfy them. And many, sadly, are choosing the promise without the presence. And we settle. We settle. And here's how we know. And forgive me for being a little bit too straight, but, but we can have physically healthy families that don't have the presence of God. We can have successful people without the presence of God. We can have good marriages without the presence of God. We can have strong businesses without the presence of God. We can have church without the presence of God. We can can have wealth without the presence of God. We can have happiness without the presence of God. But let me tell you something without the presence of God it doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day if the presence of God is not with us, it means nothing. I'm not guilting you. I'm not condemning you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to do what the Israelites did. That is they repented. They repented and they churned their hearts towards God. I think it's time for us to stop playing American Christianity and to really treasure the presence of God above all else. After they repented, look at what Moses did in verse 7. Look at what he did. Moses took whose tent? His tent. I'm going to ask you to do something at home. I'll tell you in just a minute but I want you to notice that. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Question If Moses made his tent, his personal tent, quote unquote, the church, where did Moses sleep? You want want me to give you the answer? It doesn't matter. Because he has the presence of God. When you have the presence of God, those sort of things don't really matter. Oh no, we can't do that because where are we going to sleep? It doesn't matter. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Far from the camp. And look at, look at what he did. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass or it was established that everyone, listen to this, who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Moses initiated a determined effort to seek God and he made his own tent, the tabernacle of meeting. When we study the Bible in, in our, in our Bible school and seminars. Moses is one of those leaders. That stands out in the Bible. And I want to follow his example. And as a pastor. I am going to ask you. That we as a church. Seek the presence of God. For the next 30 days. That we learn. And that we practice. Making the presence of God. And let me tell you something. It will change what you're going through, it will change how you're feeling and it will change the way you see things. And here's what we want to do. We want to do, listen to me, a church-wide campaign. We want everybody to be on this. Young people, teenagers. Teenagers, where are you at? Let me hear you. Spring did that, really? All right, let me give you another chance. Teenagers, relentless, where are you at? Okay. Anthony, we got Benito over here thinking he's 12 years old again. I know, I know. You're wanting to help them out. Thank you, Benito. Relentless. This is not just for your parents. This is for you as well. Tapestry, where are you at? Oh, no. They don't function without coffee. This is not just for the old people. I love this. This is family. Okay? Married people. This is not just for those that don't have kids. Working people. This is not just for those that are unemployed. My desire is, my desire is To bring us all together to do this. To become one in purpose and desire. I can't force you and I won't force you. Thank you, Nick. (laughs) So Nick's new name is the enforcer. (laughs) But I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. And I want to tell you what we're going to do. Because we got to agree we got to have some agreements. Is that all right? Here's a couple of things. Here's how we're going to treasure the presence of God. Okay, here's how we're going to seek God. Here's how we're going to focus on the presence of God. You can fill this out in your outline. The first thing that we want to do is spend 30 minutes for 30 days seeking the presence of God. Would you fill that out? Our campaign, we're calling it, 30 for 30. We stole the page from uh, ESPN, but ours is better. 30 minutes for 30 days. Or 30 days, we're going to spend 30 minutes. Now, you listening to me? Those of you that are asleep, wake up for just five seconds. (laughs) This is the key. These daily 30 minutes are the key to the campaign. This is fundamental. We want you on a personal level to spend 30 minutes seeking the presence of God. We're going to start next Sunday on the 1st of September. And September has 30 days. So it's really easy. Okay? During the month of September... I want to ask you to commit to saying, I will join my church in seeking the presence of God and making it my treasure. 30 minutes. Now, tell you a few things. Let's be real. Can we, can, can we have some real talk? You're not going to find time. You're going to have to make time. And I saw some faces already. I love you. I love you. I saw some faces already. (laughs) And you complain of your teenagers. You do the same. (laughs) I even saw somebody writing like... (sighs) But anyways. You may say, Pastor, 30 minutes, it's too much. You know I love you, right? You don't know I love you? 30 minutes is not too much. Can I put it in perspective? 30 minutes is only one-third of a movie. 30 minutes is the length of one of the many shows you watch daily. 30 minutes, it's one-fourth of the time you probably spend on social media. 30 minutes. I feel the fire coming. 30 minutes. And I don't even know what fraction it was. But it's a fraction of the time you spend fixing yourself and putting on makeup. is just a fraction of the time you spent rooting for the Dodgers. So, church, church. Is 30 minutes too much? Listen, you're going to have to get creative. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you real. You will most likely have to get up early go to bed late. That's the truth. Will you treasure the presence of God enough to do that? Now, there's a couple of other things you could do. I got some ideas for you. What if you use your lunch break? Everybody gets a lunch break. Some of you get an hour. Some of you get an hour and you take an hour and a half and... You don't report it. What if, what if on your way home while you're stuck in the 405, you direct your attention to God? What if on your way home, before you get home, you stop at a park and you park and you spend 30 minutes with God? What if, as a family, after dinner, before anybody goes to the rooms to watch their favorite Netflix show, you spend 30 minutes. Now, we know, we know that in our church, there's people at different levels of spiritual maturity. Some of you, you're starting. Others of you, you are monuments. Um, <laughs> you're mature. So we, uh, well, I don't want to say we. Dan, because this was something that God placed in Dan's heart as well as in my heart. Um, Dan created this really cool day spring journal. And in it, uh, we want to help you. You don't have to use this, but we want to make this resource available for you, to you for free. For free. Okay. And in it. And in it, there's some scriptures you can read that are going to be connected to what we're going to be learning that week. And if you're a baby, if you're starting in your faith, maybe you just read one scripture and then try to answer these questions. For example, what observations did you make? What do you feel God leading you to do? What can you praise God for? And what prayer does this scripture stir in your heart? You do this, 30 30 minutes won't be enough to do this if you really get into it. Those of you that you're mature and on fire and you know the Bible back and forth, well, then you can do all four. Now, if you're saying, Pastor, I'm not good at writing, I'm not good at reading, I don't think I could do this. Yes, you can. In your 30 minutes, put some worship music. Worship God. In your 30 minutes, you better Pray. Okay? And if you say, I ran out of things to pray, come see me, I got a big list. <laughs> Spend 30 minutes seeking the presence of God. So, we're gonna have these journals available today and next Sunday, and we start our campaign when? <laughs> next Sunday. On your way out, Relentless, Tapestry, Single People, Married People, res- uh, Recycled People, I'm sorry, not Recycled. <laughs> retired people. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought recycled. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. (laughs) On your way out, we got a table outside. We want you to come pick it up. So that's the first thing. The first and most important thing is what? 30 minutes, 30 days. Okay. Second thing, second thing, fill this out in your outline. The second thing we want to do is we want to have corporate prayer if you don't know what corporate prayer is we want to pray as a church okay while personal prayer is the main area we want you to work on we also want to be able to pray as a family as a body praying with others is a source of encouragement and power did you know that When you pray with others, it encourages you. It's it's almost like when you work out. They say that if you work out by yourself, you are more likely to give up. But if you got a working out buddy, you'll go farther and stay longer. So we want to pray together. And we want to pray together in two ways. There's two venues. There's two things that we want to do to pray together. Number one, you ready for this? And because I'm your pastor... I've always said that my job is to comfort the afflicted. Afflict the comfortable. And when it comes to prayer and seeking God, many of us are comfortable. So I'm really going to make you uncomfortable. Is that all right? So one of the ways we want to pray corporately in the month of September, we are going to have the chapel open 30 minutes before each service. On Wednesday and on Sunday, 30 minutes before the service, the chapel will be designated for us to come and pray, I gotta wake up early. God's presence is worth getting up early. Can I be honest with you? I was at a workshop yesterday, and uh, one of my partners told me that I shouldn't use the word fear because God did not give us a spirit of fear, and I agree. So. I'm not afraid. I'm just very concerned. (laughs) I'm very concerned that it's only going to be two, three of us in there. That's not going to be true, right? Right, church? It's not just going to be me and Kim and Lorena and, and Manolo or Steve, right? Right? Okay. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. So, 30 minutes before Sunday service, starting next Sunday, and 30 minutes before Wednesday service. We want to pray. We're going to get together and pray. The second thing we want to do for corporate prayer is that during the month of September, every Saturday, we're going to have prayer at 8 a.m. for an hour. Saturday prayer is different in the sense That it allows us to come and pray individually, then do a devotional, share with one another. Then we pray for each other's needs and then we pray for the needs of the church. Let me tell you something. I'm not asking you to come every Saturday into every Sunday service before the service starts for prayer. I'm asking you to make an effort and do as much as possible. Okay? So we want to open it during the month of September for Saturday for us to come and pray. Because we want to pray corporately. Is that good? Okay, last but not least. And I want to ask the worship team to come up. Is that we want to do chain fasting. I want to ask you to pick a day and choose to fast. Just one day. I believe that as a church, we can cover all seven days of the week. Right, church? Why do I want you to fast? Why do I want to encourage you to fast? Listen to me. This is important. Fasting makes us sensitive to God's presence. Fasting allows our spiritual ears to be tuned to the voice of God. So just during the month of September, I'm going to ask you to pick one day and fast. Now, there's two types of fast you have an option to do. You ready for this? You you might want to write this down. The first one, Is an absolute fast. Absolute means that you eat and drink nothing but water. And you do it from the time you go to bed till 3 p.m. Did you get that? From the time you go to bed till 3 p.m. Absolute fast. Nothing but water. The second option is for you to, to do the Daniel fast. You are familiar with the Daniel fast, right? Where you only eat vegetables and fruits and natural stuff. But if you're going to do the Daniel fast, you're not going to fast till 3 p.m. You're going to fast for 24 hours. One day every week. Whatever day you choose. Is that clear? I'm going to talk about this as we continue. So here's what I want you to do really, really quickly. In your bulletins, you're going to find something like this. Okay, I want to be able to be praying for you. That is going to be my commitment. My commitment during this campaign is to be praying for you. And I have been doing that. Dan has been doing that as well with me. And what I want you to do is if you are willing, and I hope you are, to say, I want to go on this journey with my home church. I want you to sign your name and put today's date and also let us know what day of the week you're going to be fasting and also let us know are you an adult or young adult um, or youth because we we want to be able to be praying and I want to ask you to sign this as a commitment listen to me not to me but to God where you're saying God. I'm going to turn my heart from the things of this world to treasure your presence. Really quickly, really quickly as you fill that up. Three reasons, three benefits to the presence of God. The presence of God, when you have the manifested presence of God, it will guide you. Second, it will be your salvation in the middle of battles. Third. The presence of God will comfort you in times of difficulty. And let me tell you something. No matter who you are, you need one of those three benefits. So you got a reason. You got a reason to treasure the presence of God. I've invited the worship team to come up here because I, I want to end a little bit differently today. And After this, Steve is going to come up and he's going to give the benediction over our church. We sang a song It's called here as in heaven. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know you're getting distracted but listen. This this is the cherry on top. You know what makes heaven heaven? Not the pearly gates. Not the crystals. Not the gold. The presence of God. And today we sang that we want here. Here. Our life, my situation right now, to be saturated with God's presence just as heaven is. And there's a part of the song that I want to invite you to stand with me and make it our anthem to God. And once you fill this out, I want to ask you to stand with me. Church, I want to plead with you. I want to plead with you. Just just as you've you've pled to your kids and you said, please understand, understand that what I'm telling you, it's not because I'm old school or antiquated or boring, but what I'm telling you is for your good. And church... I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm not trying to keep you busy. I'm trying to lead you to what is good for you. To the answer of many of our problems. To the one thing that will change our lives. And I can't force you and I won't force you. But I will plead with you. I will encourage you. And I will create opportunities. Listen, it's not going to be easy because the devil is going to get in the way. You're going to get sick. You're going to deal with issues. But he's only going to do that to try to take you away from treasuring the presence of God. So I know that just like me, you need God's help that's what i want us to do i want us to come to him and just say lord give us a holy discontent for nothing but your presence create a hunger in my being for nothing but your presence would you talk to god would you worship him would you tell him lord i'm not committing to pastor Nestor. i want to make this commitment before you we need your presence we hope you enjoyed this message but before you go we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God no one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.